All right, guys. Welcome into Sporting 160. Um, this is episode number 51. Uh, no Danny tonight, so uh, Christian here, and I'll be your host for uh, today's pod. Um, so I'm joined by Nando. Nando, what's up, buddy? Hey, man, what's going on? We get a win under our belt, man. First win in months. So uh, yeah, man, It felt weird, but hey, a win's a win. And uh, Steph, what's up, buddy? Hey, not much. I feel the same way. A win is a win, and uh, that's three points. Now we're just two points away. Yeah. Um, I guess we have a slim lead on Porto, and uh, yeah, two points off Braga and uh, world beaters family count. Um, so first, uh, let's just get right into the game here. Um, so I'll read off the lineups here. Um, Sporting had uh, Renan Ribeiro in net. Terry Correa, Sebastian Coates, Jeremy Matthew, uh, and Mark Sacuña in the back line. Uh, Dumbia, Wendell, Bruno Fernandes in midfield. Uh, Rafinha, Diaby, and Luis Philippe uh, up top. And I'll run through Bragas as well. Um, they had Mateus in goal. Um, Esgayu, Bruno Viana, Pablo, and Siqueira uh, in the back line. Um, Andre Horta, Claudemir, and Fran Sergio in their midfield. Um, and they had out wide Ricardo Horta, Wilson Eduardo, and Hassan up top. Uh, so we'll start with you, Steph. What did you think of the game, man? <laughs> Actually, we'll go to Nando first. Steph just disconnected, but he'll be back. All right, Nando, what did you think of the game, man? Cool, man. So game, um, the game was a, a bit confusing for me, man. Like parts of the game, I thought, especially at the beginning, I thought we came out real well. I think we kind of asserted ourselves. I think we definitely took the time to go ahead and, you know, start to build our play, um, create some opportunities, uh, put some pressure early on. I think that was pretty noticeable. I'd say probably even the first 30 minutes overall was Spartan's best phase of the game. Um, so that was really good to watch, you know, especially showing uh, Spartan showed some uh, that intensity that I missed against Maritimo, they show some clear uh, decision making. I think with with a lot of our 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 you know ball construction and 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 just play from from the backup. Um, so that was cool, right? So we we get in a goal early from Wendell. That's always good to kind of calm those nerves down. Um, and then we finish off the half as good as we could. Now. When Bruno Fernandes scores that goal, which, mind you, I think we'd all agree is a very good goal, um, horrible um, position in defending by Braga that just lets him completely take that ball away and just kind of dictates the rest of that. But we get that goal in. That was at a very important part of the game, right? I mean, Spartan was starting to let Braga get um, ahead of us and just kind of start to do their thing. Um, the rest of the game, I think Braga took over. Um Minus one or two somewhat opportunities, Braga ended up really putting the pressure on so much so they scored the goal with Wilson Eduardo, and then it became another typical Spartan uh, stressful situation, man. I, I did not like the way we went about defending the rest of the game. I mean, they outshot us, um, more shots on target, more shots overall, ultimately a little bit more possession. Um, but uh, games like these are very important, man. Uh, I, I don't care so much about how we perform in games like these because – you know, these are toss-up games, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Playing against Braga, Porto Benfica at this point, or any point of the season. You know, it could go either way at any time. 
And um, the important thing was that we we managed to survive, get a very good win. And uh, at this point, especially like you said at the beginning of the podcast, like our first win in a long time. So that's all I cared about at this point. But I think we saw uh, a two, two-faced Spartan, right? A really clear, good team for certain parts of the game and then finished off with that side of us that we're all like, we don't want to see that team anymore. Yeah, I agree with most of that. Um, it was good to see the, you know, the opening of that. You know, maybe start to think, maybe we've turned the page, came to play in a big game. Um, I think that if that early goal doesn't go in, maybe things are a bit different. Um, Steph, what do you think? I feel the same way as uh, Nando just uh, just uh, described uh, the whole game. Uh, we had a good 25, 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, Sporting was uh, actually looking pretty good. And I, I was like, well... Um, it's going to be a nice, comfortable game. And then uh, and then we took a dump. All of a sudden, we went down the spiral um, and nose down. And for some odd reason, uh, we, it seems like we're not prepared physically. Um, but we have no excuse of a poor preseason like we did last year that, you know, the attack in the academy. That was not the case in uh, this summer. Uh, but me... Specifically, I think the poor preparation physically, mentally, and acquisition of players, it's, it's, it's not really only a sporting um, a problem, but it's, it's becoming more and more a cl- uh, many clubs' problem. If, I don't know if you guys remember back in the days, they used to, to go to a specific location for a preseason, lock themselves for like a whole month, and then prepare the, the team physically um, and also mentally. Because, you know, it's normal to come back from vacation with a few extra kilos or pounds here in, in America. And then you, that's, the, that's why you have the preseason, to regain your form. But when you go to Switzerland, when you go to Belgium, then you go to the United States, is that really a preseason? So I think the question is, should clubs go back to what it used to be you go to a one specific location and you focus yourself really physically and mentally as far as uh, learning the tactics of your coach and focusing on that. Because our team at the end of the game, they look they look exhausted. I thought they played extra time. I thought they went into PKs. I mean, you saw players laying down on the on 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 the pitch, and and I was like, what. The hell that was just 90 minutes plus three 93 minutes of a game okay with, with a good opponent because they have more rhythm they have played so far well up to sunday that was their fifth game because of the uh uh playoff uh in the, the liga europa europa liga uh but i don't know if you guys agree with me you can jump in but i, I think physically our team is not at the at the, at the point that should be to sustain 90 minutes of high intensity and high competition with good with good teams or you know what do you guys think um i'll jump in real quick on that man i i agree with a lot of that i agree with the fact that it's pretty obvious that we're just not all there it and and i'm gonna say i'll even take it a step further and i'll say that almost we look mentally exhausted um there's moments like I don't know how to describe it. Like, for example, there was a couple goal kicks that Bruno Fernandes took the ball from the back, right? Right off, right out of the, the, the our own goal. 
And there were just moments that the team just looked like, like fatigued mentally, just fatigued overall. Like, all right, here we go again. You know, let's 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 build this up. Let's go going. Let's and then the ball gets passed right back. There was a play somewhat in the second half. If I don't if I recall correctly, like Matthew was, um, you know, up going from the back forward, like really pushing forward and hoping a ball was going to get played into him because he was in a good position. The ball didn't, and he just looked really like not only pissed off, but just like disheartened or just unmotivated to go back and play defense on that possession. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know why they're that way, right? Because the attack on the academy is gone. It's over with, right? And why is it that the team still continues already? You know, this is the second game, third game, right? Befica, the first official game, and now this, these two. So why is this still happening? I don't know. But I think it's a mix between literal fatigue, like they're just out of shape or something, or just like mentally not there yet. Like they're still on vacation mentally. Yeah, and and, and it bothers me that they, they went to, to Switzerland, Belgium, US, the United States. I mean, I was happy they came to, to uh, the Yankee Stadium. Don't get me wrong, because I went to watch the game. But to me, it's more it's more of a vacationing than a preparation of a preseason. And and why am I saying this? Because after the game with Braga, they were all exhausted. And we got lucky to get away with the win. Because to be honest with you, Braga at least deserved the, the tie, the 2-2. They, they had enough chances of uh, getting one point out of Jose Avalad. They didn't get it because, you know, we had the luck of our side. And the best player of the pitch, to me, was Rena. It was not Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes had a great game. But Rena saved Sporting against Braga. And we need, we need games like that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll take the win. Uh, but I'm not blind. I see a team that's exhausted physically. They, they couldn't sustain 90 minutes. The players were exhausted. So, again, uh, I think, I think uh, Kaiser is too soft for this team. He, he's, his philosophy of giving them days off. I think they were off one uh, today. Today, they didn't practice at all. Yeah, and they were it, off today. Yeah, they were off today. Last week, it was an, a one day off as well. Uh, after no, it was two days off last week, actually. Uh, yeah, after Benfica, it was two games off. So, I don't get it, bro. I, 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 I seriously don't get it. We pay X amount of money, which now we see a, a problem it could cause. Look at Bas Dost. We thought it would be resolved by today, and it's not resolved. And then the German team is saying by Friday. If, if anything, it's, it's worse now. Yeah, it's worse, much worse, because uh, his agent wants more money now all of a sudden. Yeah, so I'm just going to hop in and play devil's advocate for the, you know, the preseason tours. You know, I kind of like the idea of, you know, bringing the new team together, kind of isolating themselves in rural Switzerland. They don't have their families there. It's just basically, you know, team building. You see them do that, like, initiation stuff for new players where they have to, like, stand on a chair and sing. Um, you know, I think all that stuff is good. Um, you know, for chemistry, for team building, all that stuff. Uh, the problem is what are we actually doing in terms of training on the field? Uh, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, running, you know, like, or how in shape are we getting? And, you know, I understand that, you know, we, we were in Switzerland, we were in Belgium, we were in the United States, you know, we did a, you know, a small lap of the world there. You know, it, I'd prefer it to be one location, 
and to do all of it there and be there for you know three weeks as opposed to being one week here, three days there, four days there, because then it's just gruesome travel. You know, that's a lot of traveling. So you know, I do like the idea of you know setting up a camp somewhere without distractions, without families, without friends, without you know or the, the the nightlife that we know, and just kind of isolating ourselves in a, an unfamiliar location to kind of force the team to you know grow together and you know hang out with each other at all hours. Um, it just kind of leads into the question of you know what kind of conditioning work is Kaiser doing? What kind of tactical work is he doing? How hard is he being on them? Is he even raising his voice? So I guess we can just kind of segue into the discussion of Kaiser because um, he's been getting a lot of heat recently and it uh, doesn't show any signs of slowing up. Um, what did you guys think of his substitutions? Because to me, his substitutions reeked of a man who was scared and was playing weak, subbing in Neto and Eduardo to kind of uh, you know, shore up the result and play a back five with with two defensive midfielders. What'd you guys think? Um, I'll jump in real quick on this one. I I think that that's exactly man. I think it was more more than clear that that's exactly what he was trying to do. I mean, bringing in Neto and Eduardo was that easy move of like, all right, if I make this move, majority of people are going to agree that that's somewhat the right move to make, if not the correct move altogether to make. Adding defensive players, but I guess taking the initiative of the game still at that point. They're controlling it. They're attacking. They're creating opportunities. Um, but it was like a very conservative move. It was a very easy move to make. It was a move that like, you know, the move you make on like if you're playing football manager on the computer. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's – I think the players are responding to him in a very – Conservative manner, man. Honestly, I think that that they just know that the team revolves around Bruno Fernandes. I think that the the team just knows that they go as he goes, and they're just kind of like you know hoping each game just goes by. All right, are we winning? Cool, let's just keep trying. All right, did we win? Great. Hey, wow, we won. All right, let's on to the next one. And that's not the right mentality because at some point that uh, that just just doesn't work anymore. You know, teams figure that out really quickly, and you know, bringing in Vieto at that point to just kind of like force Braga to be a little bit more aware of an, a more of an attacking presence. Um, but that's really it, right? I mean, he can't bring anyone else in. He's not going to bring Diago Lodi. I mean, we would lose our, our minds with that one or even Kamash or anybody like that. So I, I wish he hadn't done it the way he did it, like in that kind of order. But yeah, it's a very conservative, it's a very scared mentality. And it's one that's very easy to make. You don't need to, you know, have a, be a professional coach to make a decision like that. And um, I think the team is responding in, in that fashion too. Steph, was there anyone that's performance stood out to you in either a positive or negative way? Oh yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, um, I'm very impressed with Wendell. I think this year will be a, a, a good year for him. Um, he's he's playing phenomenal. He's he's one of the players that uh, show, he's, he's shown that he wants to do more and, and uh, he's fit. Um, he's strong mentally um, and uh, Bruno Fernandes as well. He's he's playing well. Uh, I know Rena has been he's been getting a lot of uh, negative uh, uh, criticism, but he he played well this game. It wasn't his fault to go. We we uh, we suffered. Um, but then the negative one is Rafinha. I don't know what the hell is going on with Rafinha. 
I mean, I have no clue. Instead of evolving, he's not really quite there yet. He, he's, he's gone actually two steps back. Uh, he's still very confused in one to shoot the ball, one to dribble. Uh, he makes a lot of uh, uh, mistakes when passing the ball, simple pa little passes, like five meters away passes. He's, he completely gives them away to the opponent in the midfield. Which is extremely dangerous because they can they 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 did counterattack a few times because of his mistakes. So I'm very disappointed with Rafinha. Really, I like him, but you can play at that level. I'm, now my question is to both of you: Is Rafinha maybe a player that is good for Gimerens and is good for a Braga, but he's not quite good for? A, a big team like Sporting is the pressure mounting to him. What do you guys think? I think he's unfamiliar with uh, how his right back has been playing just because of lack of chemistry uh, with Thierry Correa. He's only played a couple games with him in his life. I think that, you know, just different sorts of formations definitely confuse him because you know we do we do play a lot of different formations we do switch it up a lot i'm not ready to sound the alarm quite yet but it is it is concerning the way he's come into the season for sure I, his performances have been a bit disheartening and underwhelming what about you for uh, nando i mean can you guys hear me yeah 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 i thought i thought i lost you guys there for a second um I think, like you said, I'm going to focus a little bit on the Wendell situation there. I think by far this is going to be like an opportunity for him to showcase what we all probably said when we had George Zouz around. Like, listen, he should have gotten a lot more opportunities. He's an enormous talent. And I think that he fits that eight, you know, box-to-box -box midfielder so perfectly. Um, I, I love watching him play, man. I think that he's just he, – he seems calm on the ball all the time. He just seems like he's willing to go the extra mile. Uh, to me, he's definitely somebody to keep watch for the whole year, especially in this game. I think he was one of the top players. You mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you thought Renato Beto was your man of the match. I, I kind of agree. Um, of course, we can't kind of, you know, count out Bruno Fernandes and what he does um, game in and game out at this point. You know, those those are the clear observations in terms of, of, of those players in the game right there, man. What did you guys think of Thierry Correa? I think it was uh, he was actually... Uh... Very decent. You can see he's evolving. I like him a lot. Yeah, his his, his confidence was uh, was high, um, and um, I like him very much. But to tell the truth, after Vitovsky comes back, Jose is back. Um, he's going to be in trouble. Either Sporting sells uh, Vitovsky, or, or because let's be let's be totally realistic. Um, if if you if you uh, the coach of Sporting, you're going to go. With Rosier and uh, Ritovsky, and most likely Thierry Kouraye, he'll drop to uh, the under 23. Yeah, the thing that's been bothering me a bit about Thierry Kouraye is I think he struggles marking his man. I, I think he gets caught ball watching a lot on crosses coming in from the opposite side, and his man does win the ball a lot and creates dangerous chances. I don't remember if you I don't remember know if you guys remember the towards the end of the Meritimo game, maybe the 75th minute, the shot that hit off the post, um, the header, 
mean, that, that was his man, completely just ball watching, wasn't tracking his man, heads it, hits the post. I mean, we're lucky there. I, I, it happened two or three times in this game as well. I think he needs to tighten up defensively. That's my main criticism of him. But obviously, he's still very young. He's learning. He's only played a couple matches um, in the first team. And yeah, I kind of agree. Um, once those two come back healthy, uh, he probably is the odd man out, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, I expect to see him you know, as a full-time member of the squad uh, next year for sure. Uh, all right, here. So, um, other observations here. So, um, you know, I did think that Vieto did show um, a couple flashes. He was only on the field for about, like, eight minutes, roughly. Um, but I, he, this is the first time that Kaiser has played him as the lone forward. And maybe it's because he was playing against tired legs. Um, you know, but this is really the first time we've seen him as the true striker in, in, in this team, uh, the lone striker. Um, did, did his performance leave any impressions, any glimmers of hope for you guys? Yeah, I, actually. I, no, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I, I won't take too long. I think, um, I think he, he, came in, he came into the game and, and he had a very positive impact. Uh, Braga couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't sustain him. They had to foul him. He got two yellow cards out of uh, the Braga players. So he put them against the wall. Um, and um, he, he came in quite well into the team. And uh, um, he saved, actually, he, he only played a few minutes, like you said. So he burned a lot of time while he was on the pitch because he was being fouled so much. And, uh, and you know, given the time he was given... To me, that's that's uh, two thumbs up. It, it was a productive. Uh, th- those few minutes, few minutes he, he was given was very productive. So I think he had a positive impact. So I can't wait to see him play at least a, a whole second half, or even from the get go, to see what he has to give us. I mean, Kaiser has to give him a chance. So yeah, I like this performance. That's it. And I guess the last player to touch on in this game, um, arguably the most atrocious on the field, both teams, was the one and only Abdullah Diaby. What did you guys think of his performance? Dude, he sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I, I was on Twitter reading along, and, like, the, the, you know, he's just so bad. He's not – he doesn't bring anything to the table – He's like a, I don't know, man. It's we, we, we've all hit this guy pretty hard with everything of what we think about him. He kills the game. He doesn't. Uh, how do you say it in English? In Portuguese, ele atrapalha na bola, right? He just kind lead, of like, he leads the league in times tripped over the ball. While that's what I'm saying, dude. He he. It's like oh, there we go again, right? Like there's there's nothing positive that comes out of him being on the pitch. I can't think of anything positive. I can't think of like. I mean, I'm pretty sure that players are like, go ahead, bud, run, run at us. <laughs> I'm okay with you doing that. So, yeah, I mean, Spartan's got to figure out what to do with that. And then on top of that, he gets a start. He gets start, He gets a start. Like, and arguably the position that we have the most depth, granted a couple players are injured, Kamashu's coming back from injury, is injured, but that is truly the position that we do have the most depth. There's... There's truly absolutely no reason at this point for his, him still to be starting. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, he's, he's terrible. I mean, if we're, we're looking at the goal point ratings here, um, he got a 3.9. The next closest was 
Rafinha with 5.1. You rarely see players get below a 4 unless they're sent off in like 20 minutes. So the fact that he played, you know, about 70 minutes and still managed to get a 3.9 is almost impressive. Well, to me, what bothers me the most is, uh, is that Kaiser knows that he ha- he's not playing well, and, and, but he still, he still calls him up and, and he still gives him the nod to start the game. I, I'm not getting it. I mean, hey, you do you start to, do you start to think that that has to be, um, you know, a request from above? Up uh, no, I think it's Kaiser. Uh, I think so because remember, no. remember when uh, when he was purchased, right? Wasn't it with Sintra? Mm-hmm. And he yeah, said, of like, he was so excited about saying that that man was the fastest guy in Portugal. Yeah, in but Sintra, but so Sintra is not there anymore. So uh, I don't think I think I think it's just Kaiser likes him and and he wants to prove to everybody that he's a great player, but he's not. I mean, and everybody sees that. And when we have a player like Plata that was called by his national A team, the yep. A team, the A yep. squad, Ecuador, Ecuador, by is that's not a shitty team. That's a yep. pretty good, decent team in uh, in South America, and, and how come he doesn't play in our A squad? Are you kidding me? We oh we we want to break him in. We want to slow down, slow it down, and break him in and bring him up. Are you kidding me? Stop with the fucking bullshit and your theories of fucking. They sound like they want to be so smart, but the same. But but we're not being that smart. Look at the under twenty three team. They playing great football, great football. They demolish ups for nothing. And guess who's playing over there? We have a, a uh, under-19, first year under-19, Justin Fernandes. And then we have Uplata. We have Bruno, Bruno Rapaz Mainov. We have a bunch of cracks in that, in that uh, under-23. But in the, in the meantime, Diaby gets the nod. And Plata doesn't even get to, a chance to play in the A squad because Kaiser thinks, he needs to break him in. Opa. Merda. Yeah, it's 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 not sustainable. This can only, you know, carry on for, for so long before you know, something has to change in terms you, of you gotta take you gotta take a risk. Look at Brunelais do Benfica. He took a risk with a bunch of uh, uh Benfica B players. He took a risk. Guys, he needs to take a risk with the motivated players that want to play, they they wanna hustle. The players we have now, I mean, they can barely sustain 90 minutes. I mean, you saw yourselves. They threw themselves on the floor after 90 minutes. They were exhausted. I thought they were going to call the ambulance to carry them out of the field. <laughs> yeah, I guess chasing the ball for 45 minutes gets tiring after a while. Well, that's what they get paid for. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, does anyone have any any final thoughts or anything to add on this game? The only thing I wanted to add was actually I didn't answer your question was about why about the substitutions. Uh-huh. He just proved that his team is not ready physically for ninety minutes because when you put Neto and you put Eduardo and then you put Vieto and you want to secure the two one because you're afraid of losing Cagosto Burrosto. Yeah, he's just showing that you don't trust your team. You're so afraid of losing the game. Terrified. Yeah, he, he was terrified. So that was it. Kaiser knows his team is not physically fit for 90 minutes. 
And that's scary me. All right. Uh, anything else, Nando? Nah, man. I, I think we all hit it pretty hard, man. It was, you know, it's one of those games like, salva evitoria. That's it, man. We, uh, we won. We won. Um, good thing it was against Braga, too. So at least that's a more direct rival. But team doesn't look good. Uh, had some moments, but it's still not, uh, it's not very looking good. No. Yeah. The moments did add up to be the best performance. So I'd say about the, the 20 to 25 good minutes of that game were the best 20 to 25 minutes of the season. So I guess that's glass half full, the way to look yeah, at it. Exactly. At least we played well for 25 minutes, which was a little bit more than against Maritimo, and a lot more against Mefica. Yeah, it's hard to play where it's so, so, so we show progression with the minutes. All right, so let's move on here to our favorite topic, sporting players and transfer sagas. So the latest one is... <laughs> there should be a, an actual thing in its own. <laughs> a segment? Each, yeah, I like that. I like that whole, <laughs> that whole intro. There's never simple transfers. There's never just four mil, he's gone. Okay, there's always got to be a little side theatrics to go along with it. Um, so the latest one here is Baz Dost who reportedly, um, so today is Tuesday night, I'm going to say on Sunday night, um, it was reported that Sporting and Eintracht Frankfurt had agreed on a deal between 8 and $10 million, um, with some in- incentives in there, maybe 9 plus 2, 8 plus 2, you know, s- somewhere in that range. Um, so there was agreed, it was reported that they agreed to a deal, um, and he was going to Eintracht Frankfurt, um, and then today, the, the reports are that um, last-minute requests or demands by Bazdust's agent, this uh, guy Gunther Newhouse, um, that he wants you know extra commission, he wants extra million bonus or whatever, um, and that's stalling the deal. Um, and he says his client feels disrespected by Sporting; he's their top scorer. Um, Correa de Mania had Baz Dostin Lagrimas. He's crying about it. Um, so they're you know all over shit like this. Um, and then Sporting comes out and says late or just a couple hours ago that it's not true. They have proof that their agent, the agent's making last minute demands. It's stalling the deal. Um, so just open it up. What do you guys um, you know think about this whole thing? And you know who do, do you think? One side's telling the truth. Do you think they're both huh. full of shit? What do you think's going on here? Uh, I mean, does this not start to smell a little familiar to you guys? Like, I hate always being the dude that that that, that starts this conversation, but like, where have we seen Sporting accuse or defend, you know, their interests before? Where have we seen uh, empresarios, agents for players have issues with Sporting before? Um, where have we seen players, and particularly this one, because he's already gone through and given us a lot of shit, not to say that he didn't have his reasons at the time, but I'm leaving, no, I'm not, I'm coming back, just kidding, no, I'm leaving, well, never mind, I'm staying. I mean, to me, it's more than clear, I, I'm going to take Spartan's side on this, um, I'm going to believe Spartan on this one, um, the simple fact that Baj Dost wasn't, I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't trust him at the very beginning, after the whole uh, academy thing, uh, I didn't trust his 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 intentions. I didn't trust where his head was. I think uh, he took the easy way out at that time. 
got himself what he wanted. He stayed. Um, and now he's just pissed off, man. He, he, I think he's pissed off that he doesn't have a lot of teams that are better off and more prestigious than the ones that won him. Spartan wants to sell him because he knows that those other leagues are going to give more money. And um, we're still somewhat um, trying to do right by him and not right by us. Um, and once again, like you just said, uh, when you introduced us to this segment right here, uh, we always have some damn drama when it comes to our players and where they stand as Spartan. And that shit is beyond annoying, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's unbelievable. That's all I gotta say. I mean, we can uh, we can all we can all agree that Sosa um, uh, Sintra made a shitty deal uh, with his agent and with Bas Dust. I mean, six million. This is how much he makes a year. I mean, six million. That's that's the the gross. And then he uh, clean his three three million in his pocket. So I think that's how much Juan Felix makes in uh, Athletic Madrid. So, uh, just to give you a perspective, that we can't afford this guy, we just can't. It, it's it's that the bottom line is Sporting strong struggling financially. They can't sustain this kind of of salaries. And then, I, I, you know, Bas Dost, he should he should do everything possible to to help Sporting in in being sold, but he has refused going to the Mexican League, which I understand. The Chinese league, which I understand, but then he refused teams from, from uh, such as Spain because they were not good enough. Turkey, so Turkey because they were not good enough for him. Turkey is a very competitive league, and and now he's making him and his. When they say his agent, that's Baz Dost. Let's not get confused because. If your agent doesn't represent you the way you like it, then you fire him and you get somebody else. So when your agent talks for you, he, he, he represents you. So to me, his agent is Bas Dost as well. It's, it's combined together. Because if I say Nando, from now on, he's going to be my manager. I'm allowing Nando to talk on my behalf. Whatever he says, I'm saying. Because I gave him consent for such. So let's not be a little bit naive and say, well, Bajdos is not doing, it's not him, it's his agent. It's Bajdos, he's, he, he hired his, his agent. So his agent is being a dick. He's making things even more difficult for Sporting because they know Sporting is in trouble. They, they, they're fully aware of what's going on. For, so the, the thing is for, that sucks for, for Verandas. He can blame uh, Brun Carvalho on this one because Brun Carvalho is out of the picture. So now it's totally on him. But at the same time, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's more, I'm with Nando. I think it's more the agent, the, the Bajdos agent being totally unflexible and taking opportunity of, of Sporting being weak financially and they, he's trying to get more money out of it. So... So Sporting wants to sell him. The deal was, I think, around nine million. If I'm not mistaken, that's what I read on the news. Yeah, something like that, eight to ten. So the motherfucker is trying to get half a million more or whatever, as a, as his commission. Additionally, so and he thinks he thinks Sporting is incompetent because we yeah. we, 
we're he struggling financially. And he yeah. sees the shit that happened with Bruno Fernandes and all these other agents, and every agent is going to continue to ride Spartan as hard as they can. Because we allowed them back in in our, in our turf. We, we invited them. But hold hey, on. But, but remember, remember back then when we standed firm where we didn't concede to agent demands when we did that shit, then fuck it. It was the worst thing in the world, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, like we talked about on last week's podcast, we still managed to sell João Mario for $45 million. So really, we were doing a damn good job holding firm. Yeah, now, we, but, but, but we still had some shitty deals. I mean, yeah, I mean we did. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like, look at this shit now. We're still dealing with fucking uh, Alain Ruiz, uh, his brother, even uh, Costa Rican. I'm Brian. forgetting his name. Brian Ruiz. Yeah. So we're still dealing with those those things that came from Bruno Carvalho as well. I mean, he, he dealt with a few things better, but, I mean, he, there's some s- stuff lingering around still. But with this thing with Bas Dost, if he really likes if he really likes sporting, he would have been like he would have made the phone call to his fucking agent and say, listen, stop being a dick. Make make this shit happen. I like the German league. That's a pretty good league. I've been there before. I can speak the language. It's next to the Netherlands. I can just hop on a flight and visit my relatives. So make the deal happen and stop with this shit. He could he could do that. I got a I got a question for you guys. I, I was I'm, I have the um, the comunicado up. There's an interesting point eight of the comunicado. Sporting says um, in Portuguese, "Sad Sporting sabe muito bem quem está a colocar e porquê." Right. So Sporting knows very much who is creating these news um, and why they're doing and putting out these news articles. Uh, wh- what do you guys think um, that means? Who do you think they're referencing? Is that purely agent that you think they're talking about, or do you think there's more to it? I think it's his agent, um, and I think that it's his agent because that's just how these things work. I mean, for all our listeners in America, um, we all know Adrian Wojnarowski, the Woj bomb. Where does Woj? Where do these Woj bombs come from? Do they just fall out of thin air? No, the players' agents tell Woj, and then he tweets it out to his 30 million followers, like. Devin Booker's not happy, wants out. Like, where did Woj get that news from? It's from his agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where all these stories and these things come from. So in, in kind of, I guess, retaliation or in response to sporting coming out and painting Baz Dost and his agent truthfully as the scumbags in the situation here, they want to come back and they're just basically punching back, trying to you know at least muddy the water. So if there's a debate here, they're winning because they – they're clearly in the wrong. So if we're even debating who's right and wrong, they're winning. You know. I no, I, I totally agree. I'm on board with you 100. percent Of course, it's his agent. I don't think it's another club. That, you know, let's leave our rivals out of this. It's nothing to do with our rivals. Uh, it's it's just that his his agent is fucking greedy, wants more money, and he smells blood. And you know, Sporting is is really in bad shape financially, so he's taking, at he's taking full advantage at one hundred percent of what's going on at Sporting, and that's shameful because what he's doing is destroying Basdos' reputation, and then it's going to be even more difficult for him to get a decent club in the future. And you know where this one he he's demanding one million. Do you know where this one million number comes from? It's not a random number. Each year. 
that Baz Doss stays at Sporting as part of the renegotiated deal, this agent gets 500 k 470 yes. There's two years left on Baz Doss' contract. That adds up to $1 million. Yes. He doesn't want Baz Doss out of this contract unless he gets his money. Yes, exactly. You, you hit it right on the nail. And... We, Really and, motherfucker. And I, I don't, I mean, I understand. That's, 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 but that's besides his commission. He wants that yes, money yes, plus that, his commission. That's like his bonus, basically. Yes, exactly. So he wants the million dollars he was promised, kind of, quote, unquote, plus his commission, which I don't even know how much it is. Probably about 15 to 20% is typically what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean... At the same time, I it's to me the fact that Eintracht Frankfurt is even willing to pay eight to ten million for this guy after what I've seen from him is you know it's a miracle. I I don't understand. <laughs> I guess they think that they can get him back to his old form, or whatever. You know, God bless them. But you know, I, now at the same time, I don't know what kind of money um, they're going to pay him there. I don't. I mean, I understand that the German league generates more in TV rights and stuff like that, but. Is Eintracht Frankfurt really going to pay him more than he's making at Sporting? I, I just find that hard to believe. He's the I, highest paid player in the Portuguese league right now. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know he is. Um, I think I think Bajos is a great he's a great striker, and uh, if he goes to a team where the coach sees that and and um, and uses him, uh, 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 creates a tactic for him. I think he'll be back again and scoring a lot of goals. But at Sporting, he doesn't fit in because they're not playing for him. We could have a, a, another striker like 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 him, like Jardel or so on, and he wouldn't score any goals either because they're not playing for him. And I've said that in the last podcast. All right, so let's just um, play this situation out to its logical conclusion, hypothetically. So this deal falls through. Or Eintracht's trying to get the deal done so they can get their whole squad registered in the Europa League. Um, this deal falls through. Bazdos comes back. Now what? I'll let you guys go ahead on that one first. Okay, so now what? Now uh, we have to... So let's make believe it's uh, the 1st of September. The market is closed. Bazdos stays. Now we have to rebuild his confidence. We have to regain him mentally, uh, physically, and uh, we need we need to trust his abilities. and And Kaiser needs to to also be flexible. Not always just going with the four three three, but go back to the four four two, and um, that which is a tactic, a better tactic for for uh, Dost. And with a four four two. I think we'll see Bajdas scoring uh, goals again. That's what I see. What do you make of a player who just had this whole saga play out in public's attitude is going to be, I guess, being forced um, to, you know... Well, first off, let's, let's, let's take a step back. Do you think Bajdas wants to leave? Because, once again, we have two sides for the story. Sporting says... Back in May, the beginning of the transfer window, Baz Dost said he wanted out. Um, Baz Dost's side says Sporting's forcing him out. Which one do you think is true? Hmm. I don't know. Um, damn. 
I'm trying to think of how I want to go about wording that. If you guys want to jump in on that, so but give me that one one more time. So so, so Sporting is saying yep. that uh, Baz Dost requested Ed to leave right at the end of May, the beginning of the transfer window. Yep. He said he wanted out. Yep. Baz Dost says that Sporting is forcing him out. And no, then disrespecting I, I, him and all that crap. Um, fuck. And who do I think is telling the truth of that situation, man? Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you just, think Bazdas actually wants to stay, or do you think he wants to leave? I mean, I th- I think that he. I think he wants to leave, but I think he. he this is tough, man, because I think that if he were to get play time the way he was getting playtime under the tactics that Steph has gone and, and explained multiple times is the way that he should be played like he was with George Zeus, I think we'd have no issues absolutely staying at Sporting. However, because he's not getting the playtime, everything that happened, and the fact that it's more than obvious that Kaiser refuses or just simply does not know how to incorporate him into the team, I think is in a weird situation because he knows it's going to be a downgrade for him uh, wherever he goes. He might make a slight slight bit more money, but his career at that point goes downhill from there. You know what I mean? Like, he's at that age where it's not going to go any further up. I mean, he revitalized his career as Spartan. So I think, like, ideally, I'm sure he'd probably love to wake up in the morning, have a one-on-one with Kaiser, and Kaiser say, hey, listen, look, we're going to try to change things up a little bit, give you the opportunity to start playing in your natural position because, obviously, you have the talent. You've scored a lot of goals here at Spartan. Um, and then I think he would be like, wonderful, I would love to stay. However, that's not going to happen. And I think that what he wants is a different team than the ones that have come after him. That's not happening either. And he then he expects Spartan to sit there and play, um, you know, Virgil Fendil or some shit and come out and be like, oh, man, listen, could you stay? We really want you to stay. But, you know, no, Spartan's not going to do that either because you can't sit there and straight handcuff the club and expect them to not do what's best for them when we can't just – you know, one thing, one thing or another, it's you. Something's got to give. You know what I mean? So I think it's a it, that's a that's a good question. I think it's real tough because I think that he he could go either way, and either you know, one day to the next, it could all change. But I think he would like to stay, but he realizes is he can't stay given the current coach and the current way that they play and how they utilize him. Steph, anything to add? I got one more hypothetical. Go ahead. Um, so let's say uh, Bruno Fernandes and Bazdas both stay. Sporting are forced to renegotiate Bruno Fernandes' contract. Combined, they're making $11 million a year in salary. Now what? Now we're in trouble. Define so trouble. <laughs> what happened? Uh, <laughs> what happened? What happened is... We uh, sell Acuna. We have, to start, we have to start really making moves here. The windows are closed. We are in trouble. Closing. In a lot of countries, Italy closes the 23rd. That leaves only France, um, Germany, and uh, that's really about it. I guess the Russians, they have some money. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crapshoot at that point, and you know, they, they're going to have to get money from somewhere to, to pay for that shit, right? Well, I mean, we, we making, we've been making shitty deals the whole summer to alleviate the financial burden of uh, these uh, these uh, crazy salaries, uh, such as uh, the last the last shitty deal we made was uh, Petrovic. He went for free to uh, uh, Almeria. Uh, Second I mean, division. 
eh? we didn't make one penny of, of him. Um, the only the only time we'll make money it, it's uh, if they they uh, get promoted to the first division. So we gotta wait until next year and wait to see if they get promoted to see some money for how much do you think oh, we get it? A so mil? <laughs> I don't I don't even know. I don't even know. The only thing that these fucking newspapers in Portugal they 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 happy to to let us know is we're we saving a bunch of money with the salary. So we the the the, the new sporting way is hey as long as we save X amount of money in salaries we should be happy even if we, if if we don't make no money off the sale. Bro, so it's the Goldino Lopes way. Yeah, we 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 in trouble again. We we are in so much trouble. We can negotiate for shit. People can smell we are in trouble. So they think they're actually doing us a favor. Okay, I'll take Petrovic for free. And we might give you something if we get promoted. And I'm helping you. Because Most of the know. deals don't even include a stipulation like that. It's just like, here he is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, we've been offloading so, many, so much great talent just, for, just like that. Manet it's, went for free. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable what's going on with our sporting. Um, if if Bajdas and uh, Bruno Fernandes stay, to tell you the truth, I mean, I think Sporting will have to make a phone call to um, to Sport TV and uh, to see if they can get uh, some money anticipated from the deal they made uh, of the 500 million they made and see if they can get an advancement. But I think they already done that. Yeah. Or or they have to fucking. They have to be realistic and, and, and do something like we do in the United States. Stop being so fucking traditional and sell the naming of the stadium. It's just a goddamn name. And sell the name of the pavilion and start thinking out, outside of the box and start making millions. If you have someone that wants to, like uh, the, uh, the Lincoln, um, you know, well, MetLife, the giant stadium, it's called MetLife, am I right? But everyone, yeah. still, everyone still calls a giant stadium. And then MetLife pays billions of dollars to have their name, at, uh, you know, as, as the stadium's name. So why can Sporting do that? In Portugal, they're still too retarded, bro. <laughs> they, they still think, oh, é uma coisa tradicional. Isso não se pode fazer. Ai, meu Deus. Opa, deixem porcarias, meu. We need money. So if we could sell the naming of, 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 of this thing for X amount of years and, and someone is willing to pay X amount of million of dollars or euros, why not? That would solve a lot of problems financially. So Sporting is to think outside the box if they're keeping Bas Dost and, uh, and Lund Fernandes or, or else we're going to be in really big trouble or we need to just accept the reality that maybe a millionaire will buy Sporting like uh, Manchester United and uh, Arsenal, fuck and it. and fuck it. And I know in Portugal, no, that might be the best way to go about this shit, dude. To be quite honest with you, enough with the Brunicius. Hey, look at family cow, man. Uh, He's uh, looking out pretty good for that. Fuck that, Sardar. Depois you don't want much discussion and arguments about which side do you stand on. None of that shit. Uh, look at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, look, look at clubs with the, look at Juventus. Look at fucking the ones. They, they were bought by millionaires. They're doing great. But Portugal don't care. Portugal, no. We can't do this. We're the club of socios, caralho. This can't happen. It's not going to happen.
because Portugal is Portugal, and we love to to live in shit and in in tradition, and and yeah. that's the way it's going to be. So I just wanted <laughs> to go exactly. back and uh, and touch on one of the things that that you mentioned there because it's really been driving me crazy, especially the framing around a lot of this is just the way that the media. I guess they just kind of are bitch boys to what sporting wants the narrative to be on a lot of these players that are leaving for free. And it's not framed by in, in terms of how much we're profiting. It's framed in how much we're saving. So it, it flips a terrible deal and tries to make it seem decent. Like, Oh, we saved 4 million or whatever. So here's, here's the perfect example. The, the Petrovic one, the one we just touched on. So let, let explain to me how this saves money. So Petrovic comes to Sporting in 2016. We pay um, one million. We pay him 1.4 million dollars for three years. So that equals 5.2 million dollars total invested in Petrovic since he's been here for three years. So we just cut him loose. He has two more years on his deal at 1.2 million, and we save 2.4 million. So 5.2 spent minus savings of 2.4 equals negative 2.8. We lost 2.8 million by signing Petrovic. We didn't save any fucking money. And if you took the time and kind of framed these, these articles or these news clippings from a different angle, you could see right through them. Because yes, we saved 2.4 million, but overall, we lost 2.8 million. Like, there's no savings there, and that's the truth. That's the way that these these but deals need to be looked at. The problem is, and you're 100% right. And the, but the problem is, I almost think I don't know. I, I don't almost think I I think 100% their intentions. The media has hammered Spartan for well well over a decade. I mean, it's it's gone on for pretty much as long as Spartan hasn't won the title. And I almost take those bullshits. Uh, Sporting is saving money and all this bullshit as their way to now and with current president and the current state of Sporting, their way of still getting one last word in, their way of still getting one last slap in. Because it's almost embarrassing in its own way. Like, like to talk about Sporting in the fashion that they talk about in like saving money, it's like Sporting's Pobrezinho, Sporting Quitadinho, Sporting Numpod, Sporting can't do it, Sporting no aguenta. Like, so. Sporting is having to save money. Other teams invest. Sporting has to save. So they make light of the situation. They take that situation instead of being like, uh, you know, instead of flat out saying something like, you know, Sporting can't go out and buy the players they want or whatever. Sporting's out of money. They'll just flat out say something like, yeah, like you said, like they're saving money because if they kept him, that would cost them more money. But we don't care that in reality it's cost them over $2 million. Done deal. They can't recoup that. Um, they're, they're, they're throwing in their backhands, man. And they're just feeding it to that, that general population that Steph said, that's Portugal that reads that, that riles them up, that really hits them at the heart, pulls the strings and, um, shit's, it's pathetic. There's, it's like, I had, I had a huge argument with my mom about this, this past week and not specifically about that, but just the general narrative, the, the, the general media and how Portugal, goes about that shit, dude. And, and that's a prime example. It's how they spin it and who they're spinning it at, and they just eat it up. It, they're almost spinning it for two different factions of people. They're spinning it for the the haters. So it's like, ha, 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 like these suckers. Like, they're, they're, they're saving money. They, they can't afford fucking Petrovic. Like, they just have to cut them loose to save money. <laughs> they can't even afford Petrovic, yep. 
And at the same time, they're appeasing the people that actually like this administration, which apparently is a lot of people that are nameless yes. and faceless, but somehow exist. And they're like, yeah, hell yeah, we're saving money. We we're out of money. We need to save yeah. money. This is a good deal. So exactly. it's almost like it functions in two terrible, different ways. Absolutely. You know? it, it fits the complete narrative of the situation. Like you just hit it, man. You just hit it perfectly. Uh, the, the, the people that love the administration are like, epa. You know, we, we understand Spartan has been uh, going through some tough times post Bruno Carvalho. You know, shit's not right. You know, you got to take some time, you know. Leva Tempo. That's the, my favorite thing from the from those fans. Leva Tempo. This takes time. You know, we got to cut the cost. You know what I mean? We got to have to go through it all over again. And it's fine. That's the right thing to do. And then they appease that other faction, man. It's fucking disgusting. All right, Steph, any final words on this you know, general topic before we turn it over to the Twitter questions? Uh, well, uh, the, we, we all know that Sporting is in real trouble. I mean, you get a loan from uh, a millionaire from the United States of America, you, you're going to have to pay him back. He wants his money back. I mean, he, lo he, he did give you a loan to make money, not to lose money. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care about Sporting. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping my, uh, my Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, goes ahead and just fucking buys him. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't even know how to spell the our club's name. Never mind anything else. And um, and then the banks in Portugal too. They uh, after Sporting. Um, and uh, apparently we owe money to a lot of people. And uh, it, I mean, but we do make a lot of money too. Let, let's be honest. A club like Sporting makes a lot of money too. And that's that's what gets to me. Why the fuck do we have nine nine vice presidents? And in Portugal, for some odd reason, it's normal. When you talk to a Sportingista from Portugal that lives in Lisbon, because they think they, they, they know more than we do, apparently, because they live in Portugal and uh, they have uh, um, uh, um box game and vão ver lá os jogos todos, they're smarter than we are. They see things better than we do for some fucking reason. It's like they have a PhD do Sporting de Lisboa. Uh, and I hate that. I hate when somebody tries to tell me that ah, you say my sister murder do too. I hate that because uh, what? How the fucking Sporting sustain nine nine vice presidents? That's a lot of salaries, bro. Bro, we've been sustaining presidents post them leaving. It's bro, nine, still paying Jose Pizzo. I mean, nine vice presidents, bro. Nine vice presidents. So you have a president and then nine more dirigents. I don't know what the fuck they do. And then, I mean, go back to, to the basics. One president, one vice president, one Sudeiro. Simplify things. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of people feeding off uh, sporting. A lot of people making money out of sporting. It's just too many people employed at Sporting. That's what I'm uh, get, getting into. Uh, I mean, I understand that we to find a newspaper it takes X amount of people. I, I do understand that. But I, I think there's a lot of dead weight at Sporting. A, lo a lot of places where we could save money. That we don't need these, these motherfuckers. Manuel Fernando, Viana, Eduardo. I mean, the list goes on, dude. But essas merdas todas, meu, que estão lá só coletar dinheiro, and they, they're, not, they're not productive. Oh, meu, é povinho, bro. That shit's so disgusting. I mean, it's, it's a lot of freeloaders. That's all I'm saying. And it's not only sporting. I mean, you look at the other Portuguese teams, it's equally the same way. Eu penso que a dirigente se mais, taxa se mais. That's what I wanted to, to get at. And uh, that's it. 
Okay, cool, man. Can you guys see the screen? Yeah, man. Okay, all right. So let's just hop right into these Twitter questions. We got um, some decent contributions this week. All right, so let's start it off with David Claudio, uh, David Strafe, 35, uh, 35, sorry. Um, what are your thoughts about these players? Giovanni Simeone, Justin Clivert, Osama Idrissi, uh, and if any of them would be a good player for sporting. Um, Nando, let's start it off with you. Any uh, thoughts just, on any of those guys? J- just the, Justin Clivert, I've, I've, I've been following him quite a bit. Um, I really like everything I see in him, and I, I think he'd be Wait, perfect. Wait, who, who cut out a little bit? Oh, can you still hear me? Yeah, just a player. Yeah, yeah. Um, Justin, I'll, I'll talk about Justin Clivert. Okay. Um, the other two, I'm not very familiar. I haven't spent too much time um, you know, following them. But Clivert, for sure. I mean, obviously, his father speaks for him. The name speaks for itself. But he's young, talented, and bit, you know, has tons of ambition. I think he'd be perfect for Spartan, a guy that we can actually, you know, hopefully play and see grow. But, you know, I haven't heard his uh, tie to any of these dudes, to be honest. What position does he predominantly play? Clivert? Yeah. Clyde usually, from what I've known, is he is he at where's he at now in Italy, right? Yeah, I, I honestly, this is the one player who I saw people talking about it. I think he's at Lazio. Uh, no, no, not Lazio. Is he? No, Roma. Uh, he's at Roma. Um, I honestly he's, never see this. So. He plays striker mostly. Like you know, he is. It's got him like you pulling up their left wing. So right this would be alone. <laughs> this would be alone looking at that market value. <laughs> Oh, of course. Like, these dudes are young and, and already got, you know, tons of of potential, but not for Spartans' um, current situation. But, yeah, alone, you know, it'd be good to see him come over and uh, revitalize a little bit. Well, All right. So I looked into Osama Idrissi when uh, I saw that we were linked to him. Um, uh, he plays wing as well. Um he actually has had a decent start to this season. He's already scored three goals in three appearances, as you can see there, um, and uh, a goal in four appearances uh, in Europa League qualifying. So he's already played seven games this season, scored four goals, not a bad record. Um, he's young still, 23, um, and uh, market value lists him about 5 million euros. AZ Alkmaar wants 10. Um, I, I just I, I don't see that happening. I don't really think that we need any more wingers. Um, the position that I would wish we would address is, before we address winger is striker. I think we needed another striker before we needed another winger. Um, so I think that's more what Simeone plays. Um, but, you know, uh, even if Bazdoff stays, we still need another striker. If he leaves, we need two. Um, so I, I just wish that we were, you know, linked to more strikers because uh, I think that's the position that we need to address the most here. All right, so let's move on to Alcochet Youth at Alcochet Youth, uh, formerly Sporting CPY. Um, do you think Bazdos will leave us, maybe to another club, if Frankfurt wouldn't pay what he wants? Um, another question, do we need another signing, or do we just need a new coach? Uh, Steph, what do you think? Uh, do you think uh, another team hops in if Frankfurt falls out of the race here? Um, it's a possibility. I mean, we, we did beat the horse on this one. Um, <laughs> So uh, pretty much we an- we answered that question, but you know about the coaching. Uh, the second question of Alkshit Youth, it's interesting. Uh, we because we did speak about it. Um, I mean, I don't think I think there's a lack of communication between uh, the upper management and uh, Kaiser, and we've seen that time to time to time 
when he gives his flash interviews, Kaiser. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they replace him with another coach. Um, it all depends how well we play against Portimonense, and we take advantage that there's a Benfica Porto this uh, upcoming weekend, and um, and we take advantage of one of them slipping and gaining some ground on them. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. So and that's it. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I was very team gift Kaiser more of a chance because people were, you know, jumping on him as early as January of last year. You know, I advocated for, you know, giving him a chance. You know, I kind of like some of the stuff he played, you know, down the stretch last season. Um, but, you know, as time grows on and on, I, you know, become more wary of, you know, what his long-term potential is here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm very very unconvinced uh, to say the least. Um, all right, here. So next question, uh, Nunu Gabriel, uh, Cata Valence. Um, what are your thoughts on Seba Kawat's performance lately? Is it just me, or has he been a bit sloppy lately? I think he was trying to assist Braga on a couple goals on Sunday. Um, Nando, what do you think about that? Um, I don't really have. Um, too many negatives to say on Kowats, man. I think, like Josie Pareda said, right in response to that, um, he's a very aggressive um, center back. He's going to play the ball and the player um, very extreme. So, like, it, those kind of players are bound to have one get past them. Um, but they're also going to be the guys that are going to stop and make that cut or that clear um, more often than not. So I, I've never had any issues with Kowats, man. If anything, I've had some more concerns with Matu lately. I just feel like he's been a little a little tiring to watch. He seems a little a little out of it, but that could, again, get back to the whole, like, not just being in shape or his age. I don't know. But I, I don't have any issues with Kowats, to be honest. Yeah, I actually thought he played well um, against Braga. There was that one play, I think it was actually on the goal, where he, like, weirdly ducked out of the way of the ball that of the, sh- the, the, the what initially became the shot that came off the post and then Eduardo um, hit it in. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have any problem with Kowats. I think he was, you know, among the top four on the field. Um, next question here from Joel Da Silva at João Leão 073. Um, all right, he's got a little message here. Yeah, uh, I, I, I read the whole thing. So if you want to save some time. I'll just read it out just so that okay. uh, people only on audio can know what it says. Um, this is not so much a question, but more of a thought I have. But how concerned are you about Sporting's international reputation and image? Thinking here about Baz Doss situation, Alan Ruiz's dad coming forward to say that coming to Sporting was a mistake. The recycling of managers and staff, the way our youth is treated, and finally the attack on the academy. Considering all this, should we be concerned about losing potential players and youth prospects because of our bad reputation? Step. Okay, so ba- basically what he's saying, it's, uh, it's a load of crap because um, Alain Ruiz, he, he had a chance to prove himself and he didn't. Um, I mean, uh, he, he played well, I think, uh, a year and a half under JJ. Then after that, he showed no interest of playing football. He was lazy, uh, didn't play defense. So, so his father can go fuck himself. Uh, for, for, all I'm, for all I'm concerned, 
because we paid him every single penny. We never, you know, defaulted on the, his salary. He's the one, his son is the one at fault. He didn't want to play and all that. Now, concerning the, the bus situation. Just to add, we even brought his fucking shitty brother, too. Yeah, exactly. His brother came along in a, in a package deal. Um, uh, Bazda's situation has nothing to do with Alan Ruzidi's father. I don't even know why they bring it up. I think Sosa Sinto fucked up on Bazda's. He sent this contract. We should have let him go, and that's it. Because to make a deal like that, that, that now we're struggling to sell him, it's, it's really fucked up. Um, and then the, the, what's going on with the youth nowadays? It's, it's actually, uh, it's pretty bad, but it's not only going on in Sporting. I've seen Porto losing players. I've seen Benfica losing players. It goes, it goes in every club because it's impossible to sign every, every young player we have in our academy. It's impossible. We will lose certain players. I mean, we, we signed up this summer over 20-something professional contracts uh, in, the, in our youth academy. So, you know... You need to look at the whole picture. And then you see, oh, o Porto também perdeu os jogadores. O Benfica também perdeu. O Atlético Madrid também perdeu. Ajax também perdeu. So it's not a common thing that's going on at Sporting. It's a phenomenon that's going on worldwide. And why? Because now there's clubs that they're going as low as 12 years old. Oh, this guy's going to be a good prospect. So let's buy him now. It's, it's, we, we hear it all the time. Barcelona investing on, on youth players. Real Madrid going to this club and, and buying a 12-year-old player. So it's not only at Sporting that's going on. Uh, if, if we just, you know, analyze things carefully and we look into things, then we realize this is not only going on in, in our club. It's going on in every club. It's, it's just impossible to sign everybody. And then so, some players, uh, their agents, they don't have the patience to wait until... They they good to go for an an adventure overseas in to a bigger club. They want to make the deal now, and then if I if I was back a little bit with some players like Kamasha, he went to Liverpool, didn't quite work out. He's back at Sporting. Lori, he didn't work out for him, and he came back to Sporting, which that was a mistake by Sporting. He shouldn't have come back. All I'm saying is it's not totally the fault of Sporting. Because Bruno Carvalho also lost some youth players, it's just impossible to sign them all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just think overall, you know, Sporting's known for its academy and the players that it produces, and you know, it takes a lot of pride in that. And I can see the frustration that you know some people feel um, when we see you know complete bums getting regular minutes like Diaby, and then we see very capable wingers playing for the U23 team, including agreed, a, agreed a literal 16-year-old who's better yeah. than Diaby, who's 12 years older than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's just like, if you're, if you're like you just said, if you're a 12-year-old um, and you're a Portuguese 12-year-old who lives, um, let's just say you live in Leiria, you live between Porto and Lisbon, so you know, all the big three are equally equally distant. Um, where do you go? Do you go to Porto? Do you go to Benfica? Do you go to Sporting? Where do you like your chances of you know succeeding the most and getting into the first team at a young age? And honestly, I don't think the answer right now is Sporting. Um, I think we're in third place in that conversation, to be honest. Even Porto. I mean, their team is also kind of shit this year. But a lot of those players who just won the UEFA Youth League, 
are, are getting regular minutes. Um, and, you know, we have a, a lot of young players and, you know, not too many of them are getting minutes. So I understand the frustration. And, you know, our, our academy is, you know, world-renowned. So in, in order to keep up that reputation, you need to, you know, to get the prospects into the first team and then they go, they go abroad for the big money. And that's, that's kind of the business model. So if, if that's not happening, it, it, it kind of detracts from that. Um, let's see here what else we've got. Um, Josie Pereira at Pereira4785. How does everyone feel about Acuna playing left back with, while Borja sits on the bench and Diaby starts? Is Borja recovering from an injury? Not that I'm aware of. Um, is there a position ever, anyone feels we need to upgrade? Uh, Nando, what do you think about that? Um, I, I fucking hate watching Diaby start, and, and that's a clear position where Acuna playing up, right, which is, was his natural position, and we've turned him, or JJ turned him into a left back, and letting Borja, you know, play would be the natural, clear um, upgrade. And in that side of the pitch, man, it's just it's not a logical, obvious thing to do. Um, and like you said earlier, where Diaby plays is where we really have a more of a surplus of, of players for that position. You know what I mean? So that we don't need really an upgrade there. Is there a position anyone feels we need an upgrade? A striker. We still don't know what we're going to do about Dost, and we still don't have a clear striker. So we still need to figure that situation out. And we have just no depth at the position as well. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I definitely feel like striker is the one where we need the most. Um, uh, so next question, Kevin uh, K. Fernandes, nineteen oh six. What are your opinions on the winger positions? Who should be starting next game? And do we need another signing, considering it's probably one of our weaker positions? Uh, Steph, what do you think of that? I think the, the winger positions, uh, I was expecting more from Giovanni. I'm no, I know he's hurt now. Uh, I was expecting more from Rafinha. Totally disappointed with him. Totally, 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 totally disappointed with him. Should, this this should be his breakout here, year so. So if he if he's thinking about going to a bigger club in Europe, it's not going to happen because he's retry, he's, he's he's actually going back five steps instead of evolving. Um, but you know, I I, I want to see Plata. I want him to get a, a shot at the uh, as a winger in our club, um, in our A squad. I want to see as well Fernandes, Joelson Fernandes. Why not? If 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 we see that Rafinha is not productive, uh, Giovanni is not being productive, Camacho is not going to be productive, Acuna is not a winger. Acuna is his natural position is left fullback. That's why he performs the best because he can run that corridor back and forth. Borja is actually his, his backup to tell the truth. On the left wing, it shouldn't be Acuna at all. That's not where, where he belongs. We need someone explosive, like maybe Camacho. Let's see. Let's give him a shot. Or maybe um, uh, Jovan Cabral. So with that said, if, if those cats don't, don't deliver, you have to go to the end of 23 team and you have to give uh, Plata a chance. You have to give Gerson Fernandes a chance. And I, I don't care how old they are, if they're 18 or 16, whatever. They, I, want, I want them to get a chance. If, 
give them a chance na Taça de Portugal, give them a, a chance na, na Taça da Liga, but give them a chance, you know? The, the, when, when you call them for practice with the senior team, with the A squad, it's not the same as playing a game. And imagine these guys, if they're pretty good in the under-23 team, if they play with the Bruno Fernandes that passes the ball like, like it's, it's cake, here it is, just score. These, these players will excel, will be phenomenal playing next to a Bruno Fernandes. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? So, and th that's all I got to say about the wingers. Okay. And then the last question here from Johnny Singedu at Johnny Singedu. Um, thoughts on Giovanni Simeone being linked to us? Um, I'll just go ahead and answer that one. Um, yeah, I mean, my standards for any sort of player that we bring in at striker um, are incredibly low. Uh, I, I know if, even if we do sign a striker, it's I feel like it's just going to be like some Castanhos type shit. Um, I, I really have little expectations. Um, so, I mean, a player like Simeone... Um, on loan, you know, banged in some goals last year for Fiorentina. Uh, you know, that, that'd be great. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if that's something that happens, um, totally, totally down for it. Because what I actually think we're going to get at striker is going to be far, far shittier than that. Um, all right. So, and that is the end of the questions. Appreciate everyone, as always, for sending those in. Um, and I guess here, do we have any other loose ends to tie up here before we wrap it up? Um, anyone? Uh, just oh, we can do. We can talk about the, the the game this weekend. Yeah, uh, really fast, and then we can talk about the modalities. Yep. Fast. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, all right, so do you want to do the medallies first stuff, or do you want to do Portimao? Yeah, I'll do medallies really fast. It won't take okay. too long. So, so in the uh, Viseu um, Tournament International Cup, we won against uh, our handball team once against Valladolid 37-29, uh, and then, like always, we choked against Benfica 22-21. We do have a better team, but we started the game really well. I was watching it at home on Sporting TV. And then, um, and then they got the best out of us, and we lost 22-21. Nevertheless, it was a, go a good uh, test, a preseason test, uh, but we lost. And then Ciclismo, um, <clears throat> we finished as a team in third place, and that's it. No more Sporting Tevita. Uh, that modality is gone. So Verandes lied to us one more time. He said he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't kill any modalities. He just killed Ciclismo. Um, then, uh, we had a couple very interesting results, uh, sporting, uh, tied at, uh, Alverca for the end of 19, 1-1, considering that we were losing until the very end and we tied at the end. That's a pretty awesome, uh, result. Alverca, they do have some amazing players from Brazil. Uh, so they're not a shitty team like people think they are and playing uh, at Alverca. It's close to my hometown. It's very tough. They have a small pitch. Um, Sporting, and then the end of 23, we won 4-0 against uh, the champion, Afs, which was an awesome result. We, we were playing some great football. I watched the second half. We have a pretty good team. So whenever Kaiser needs some reinforcements, he should look at the end of 23. Uh, the senior ladies 
They won one nothing against Sevilla. That's an awesome result. That's a pretty good team, Sevilla. So good, good game by our ladies. Uh, Football to Praia. Uh, Portugal won at the Mundialito. Uh, 4-2 against Spain in the final. That's awesome for, for our... We had four of our players uh, playing in, a, in that, in that uh, national team. Um, then Sporting for the Taça de Portugal. Portuguese Cup and uh, Football Pride. They won 5 nothing against Alfarim. Uh, and then Futsal, we won 5-2 at home uh, against Jane FFS of Spain in the uh, Trump uh, Trophy. So we kept our own trophy trophy at home. That was like a, of a presentation game for the uh, fans, associates, and uh, the pavilion was almost a full capacity. Um, and now our team is looking pretty good. So uh, the uh, the first official game will be against uh, Sporting Lisboa Benfica on the 30th of uh, August for the Super Cup. Uh, so it should be an interesting game. Um, and basically, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, and basketball started preseason today for all those that are interested, uh, which I know a lot of us are, are pretty excited for, especially a lot of us Americans that like basketball. Um, yes, definitely really excited to see what the what the basketball team does this season. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's, it should be a, very, a better competitive league. Now we're going to have Sporting, Porto Bifica, and uh, Oliveirense. Oliveirense, Oliveirense, all these good teams. Yeah, we, did, be very... we did take Oliveirense's best player, um, but I expect them to still be competitive. A couple, a couple best players. Oliveirense won't look the same anymore. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they're, they're the defending champions. Um, all right, so let's get into our predictions um, for the game against Portimonense this Sunday, uh, 1.30 Eastern time. Uh, 6.30 Portuguese time, another good old Sunday night game. Um, we have those every fucking week. Um, <laughs> feel bad for the people in Portugal, um, especially sporting fans that travel down to the Algarve. Not the closest trip. Um, so what are we expecting? Portimão also has four, four points, um, so they're right up there with us. Uh, Porto has three, and they're playing Benfica, who has six. Um so, you know, I mean, Porto could find themselves in some trouble if they lose two out of the first three games. So that'll be interesting. Um, what do we think about uh, a good Portimonense team that is coming off a win in, on the road against Sandela uh, this past Monday, yesterday? Um, Steph, what do you think? I think, um, I think they have a great coach. Folha comes from the uh, Porto schools. Yeah, the raça, humildade. Uh, he, uh, he understands the Portuguese league quite well, and his team is playing to uh, to his um, to, to his image, uh, a Porto. So I'm expecting a very difficult game, but this is the perfect opportunity for Kaiser and our sporting team to shut us up, to shut everybody up. I mean, I want champ- I want Sporting to be champion of Portugal. Don't get me wrong. I want in Mayo, Sporting says a champion. And I hope I swallow every word I'm saying today that's negative. Uh, but if we don't go over there and we play our hearts out and we don't play at 100%, we're not going to win. There's no fucking way we're going to win. So we, we have to be determined from the get-go, from the very beginning, decisive, and take advantage. There's a classical, Benfica Porto, 
and take advantage that we can gain, gain ground on both of our opponents. I hope they tie, actually. If they tie, we gain two points on Benfica, and we gain two more points on, uh, on, uh, on Porto. So that's my wish, and I'm going to be positive this time. No, uh, yeah, I'll be positive. I think we win. <laughs> I, I, I was so, I'm so confused. Um, I think we'll win uh, 2-1, todos cagados e mejados. My hope it's, uh, it's 3 nothing and a well-played game, but I think we'll win 2-1, todos cagados e mejados. Nando, what do you think? <sighs> I'm trying to take a, a page out of Steph's book here and be positive. Um, <laughs> I'm really trying, bro. It's so damn hard. Uh, I definitely want Befica and Porto to tie. Um, that's the clear result there. They can both fuck themselves and not be happy. And then we gain, we gain ground on both of them. Um, I'm scared it's a trap game. I'm scared that every single time that Sporting has an opportunity to do well mm-hmm. compared to a rival mm-hmm. screwing up, we don't do well. Um, and that's my concern. It's, it's that history. It's that back-of-the-mind thing. I think the players psychologically know it. Uh, however... Fuck it, man. If, if we can't go into Porto Mimes and, like, win, <laughs> you know, one way or another, uh, you know, we are in, uh, in, in some deep shit. Now, granted, Porto Mimes has won the first two games, right? They're right. One and draw. Uh, one and draw. Time. That's right. I'm sorry. They got four points. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we're fourth. They're fifth. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth, two games so far this season, you know, they're doing really well. Um, but like Steph said, man, we gotta go in and win one way or another. I don't give a damn, mm-hmm. you know, handball, and it's it's. I don't care. Just get the damn game a win, and that's that. I think we'll win one zero. I think uh, really fast. All I gotta say is, if you want to be campeón Portugal, you have to win against Portimonense. You have to win these games. Yeah, have to. If you don't win against Portimonense, I don't. But I we're think... so see, and the thing is, we're so so sad. We're so used to just being like. Eh, you know, é um jogo fora. Os portugueses vão ser fogões da Alvalade. É, é, é por timonense. É, um, é uma equipa forte. <laughs> oh, vai estar foder. Oh, well, dude, I can already see my dad. Like, I'm not even going to talk to him about it because he'll be like, oh, tu, 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 tu estás esquecido. O portugueses está em quinto lugar. I'll be like, get the hell out of here with that. We're But that's so what they'll good. say. We're so good in coming up with excuses. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. All right, so I just want to remind you guys, at this exact stadium last season, Portimonense beat Benfica, and they beat us 4-1. They fucking demolished us. Yes, they Salen did. hit the I know. head on the post. Kowats had to give him mouth-to-mouth in the field. <laughs> um, it was that fucked-up game. Um, so not an easy place to play. Um, obviously a good team. Um Uh, I think, I guess my prediction for the Porto game first, uh, I think that Porto is going to get absolutely waxed. Uh, I got Benfica 3-0. Wow. Wow. They're going to get, I think that they're going to get dismantled. Your father, your father is influencing you. (laughs) (laughs) I just call it the balls and strikes, man. (laughs) uh, Where's the game at for that, by the way? It's not loose. Oh yeah, I, uh, I'd probably say if he wins them too. Honestly. No, I think I think seriously, I think Serge uh, Conceição is going to be cautious, and uh, he's not going to just go over there and play and play face to face. I think he's yeah be because cautious. he can he can subject himself to be quite honest a, a pretty early again, season no. uh, early season um, separation like that because they're already what two points back. Uh, yeah, 
No, they lost. No, no. Three points back. They'd be six already. Three points back because they lost their first game of the season. Then Right. So you don't want to go six points back three games in. Yeah, that's that's really bad. I don't think Porto will lose, actually. Think they win? I don't think they win. No, No. I don't think. I I think it'll be a tie. Tie? I mean, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, me, me too, but uh, I'll be happy if Sporting wins at Portimonense, which I don't know if they will. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, realistically, I think we probably draw 1-1. One, one. Um, I'd like to see a scrape of 1-0 one, one, win, uh, maybe. I mean, a, a convincing performance would be great, but uh, I'm not really sure that I expect that. Um, and I hope that Vietu starts up top. And listen, I mean, nothing for nothing, but Sporting today, they, they were practicing really hard, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wendell was tweeting <laughs> at 4 a.m. last night. Really? They didn't have training today. They fucking had a day I was seeing today. his tweets <laughs> at like 9 p.m. or like 10 p.m. Uh, here, and it's like, this guy's still fucking awake. Oh, they have vacation tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Don't go out cooking, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, anything else? Any final thoughts here? No, I'm going to take a day off tomorrow, too. Fuck it. Nando, <laughs> <laughs> anything else, man? No, man. I think we hit it all, man. We're, I think we're overall, I think we both can say we're pretty freaking tired of always having to hit these topics over and over again, but that's the way it is these days, you know? Yeah. Hey, Nando, Chris, do me a favor. I'm giving you a day off tomorrow. <laughs> tell my boss that. No, I will bro, tell no. And I got go. I'll be in at seven. Damn it. <laughs> I will, I'll tell both of your bosses. Listen, these guys are fucking stressful. They need a day off. Dude, I. You know what's funny is like I. Uh, I probably talk more about. So everybody knows my teams of you know affiliations or whatever. But Spartan, I go around all work. Like I see this dude who's who works beside me and he's a Liverpool fan. And um, I'm, like, constantly just giving him shit and just talking to him and just reminding him, like, Sparty, 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 this, that, and the other. And it's like, bro, like, this shit's – I'm tired of – I'm just being stressed out about Sparty. Yeah, well, I mean – It's a sport, but it's a love of ours. You know what I mean? It's a passion. Yeah. It's yeah. something that we do because we love it, not because we have to do it. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's too many things that are consistently happening and, and, and it's just a repetitive nature of it that shit's gotten old real quick. Yeah, it takes it all. Yeah, and and I'm going to finish like this, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to be admitting something that that you guys are not going to believe, but I will admit it. Uh, Sporting Club Portugal is considered one of the big three in Portugal because of the history we have. It's not because of our football team lately, because our football team, we haven't been one of the big teams for a while now. Let's not be foolish. Let's let's even from the beginning. I mean, we we weren't really truly. Like, we were much better than now, but we always oh, had more to it than just football. It's been a two-team league for 30, 40 years. Yeah, indeed. So so the, the thing they kept kept as the status of a big team in Portugal, it's our modalities, to tell the truth. The, our modalities, they kept sporting at the top of uh, being uh, the, one of the big threes in Portugal. Futsal and ball, volleyball, you know, lately, volleyball, uh, you know. They're the ones we say athletic, athleticism. They're the ones we have to say thank you to. Because our football teams, they've been garbage. Totally garbage. And uh, I hate to, to hear that from our opponents, but it is the truth. 
winning a Portuguese league, uh, a cup league, or Taça Portugal doesn't cut it. No, not if you want to be considered, you know, on par with you know best teams in Europe. So, nope, you're right. Uh, all right, boys. Uh, appreciate you guys. Um, all listeners, thanks as always. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with um, some good news. Yes, sir. Um, transfer window will be a week closer to closing. We'll have some more clarity on that. And we'll hopefully have a game that didn't suck to break down. Um, so, mm-hmm. as always, appreciate you guys. And viva Sporting. Viva Sporting. Viva, viva Sporting.